to Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit building, and time management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different. I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. Hello, and welcome back to episode 46 of Building Stronger Creatives. I'm your host, Caroline Juster, and I'm happy to be back from my little vacation where I was in Detroit for an electronic music festival. Just as a little recap, in case anybody's curious, uh, this is the Movement Electronic Music Festival. Technically, we didn't go to the festival, and we have not gone to the festival since like 2017, I think. But James and I go to Detroit every year because there's tons of other events and parties happening around the festival. And this year was definitely one of our better years of music. Actually, we had a few years where we didn't necessarily have the best music before the pandemic and then there were two years that nothing happened officially and we didn't go 2020 and 2021 and then last year when we went back it was a really fantastic year of music and it was just so nice to be back into this tradition that's been really important to us and then this year I was sort of like well I don't want to get my hopes up too high about music because it was so good last year but honestly it was just as good if not better than last year so it was a real treat it's always great to see friends of ours from around the country that we don't get to see very often like for example I have a lot of friends that live in California that I've met over the years and from when I lived in California that I got to see um, we got to go to some events that are really fun and special to us, and we got, like I said, a lot of really great music. Highlights would be DJ Nobu back-to-back with Wata Igarashi. That was a really great set to end the weekend. Definitely one of the best techno sets we've ever gotten in Detroit since we've been going in 20, started going in 2014. And then we also got really great music at No Way Back, which is our favorite party, which is always on Sunday night. And we always get good music there. But this year, the music was exceptionally good. Uh, Derek Plisleko into Carlos Souffrant. And then other great sets from people like Moshkan, Adab, Erica. It was just a good night of really great music. So uh, it's nice to be home. It's always nice to come home for movement and come right into Chicago summer, which is a time of great weather, lots of music and art and street festivals and events going on. The energy in the city is really amazing. So the movement weekend experience is always like a nice start to summer. Again, a nice way to see friends and people we don't get to see and just it was always a treat to get good music. So feeling refreshed, feeling grateful that we got to go. But now I'm getting back into my regular content schedule, which includes releasing this podcast every week. I will also be getting into guest episodes again. I'm actually, I'm recording this on Monday, June 5th. And later today, I am actually doing a guest interview with a good friend, a former client of mine, actually, and someone who has a really, really interesting creative life and story. So I'm really excited to share that with you next week. So lots of things to look forward to. In today's podcast, I want to talk a lot about squats. So I've had this idea to do a series, ongoing series of podcast episodes where I talk a little bit more about specific exercises. 
One of the things that I most enjoy doing, especially with in-person clients, is really helping people tweak their form and performance on a lift so that it feels as good as possible for them so that they can achieve their goals. A lot of times that is getting really strong. It might mean building muscle. Oftentimes, it's how can I return to training hard after I've been dealing with pain and injuries. And I actually think that this is a strength of mine in the gym. And I want to try to convey some of the things that I've learned and some of the things that I share with my in-person clients to you, the listeners of this podcast. So today I'm going to give you eight tips that are going to help you get a better, stronger squat. Now, not all of these tips will be relevant to everybody. I'm going to run the gamut from like total beginners who are struggling with squats, struggling to learn how to squat to people who are more advanced, experienced lifters who are trying to get really strong with barbell squats and things like that. But hopefully something in this episode will apply to you no matter what level of training you're at and no matter what your training goals are. Squats are a fundamental human movement pattern, which means that squats represent a major way that our bodies were designed to move. And many activities of daily life resemble squatting. So, for example, every time you sit down on a toilet, I mean, not to just go there right away, but that requires a squat. Picking objects up off the ground oftentimes requires squatting. Anytime you're getting up and down from a chair. And then squatting also has relevance to things like climbing up and down stairs or going hiking. Anything where you're doing a pushing motion with your lower body, you can improve that activity through squatting. However, not all squats are created equal, and it's really important with squats, as with any exercise, to find the variation and the loading strategy that's going to work with your body. What a lot of people think they need to do when it comes to squats is, first they do bodyweight squats, and then they almost immediately jump into barbell back squats, which is like going from the most simple version of something to the most advanced version without any steps in the middle. So, It only makes sense that people then experience knee pain or they're like, why can't I squat that deep? They didn't do all of the intermediary work. And honestly, the barbell back squat is not necessarily the ideal squat for every body type. So I'm going to talk a lot more about all that in the episode. So again, eight uh, tips that I'm going to give you right now to help you with your squat. So let's just get into it. So the first tip is that if you're learning how to squat for the first time or you're new to the gym or you're coming back after a long hiatus, I actually suggest that you go right to weighted squats and you skip bodyweight squats. Bodyweight squats seem like they're the easiest squat option because obviously you're not holding any weight and there's not any extra resistance placed on your body. But in order to perform a good squat, you need to have good mobility, which I'm going to talk about later, and you need good core stability, which basically means your core muscles turn on and allow you to move well. And for a lot of new trainees, it's difficult to turn on the core muscles and use good mobility without some extra resistance. In order to do that, you would have to generate all of that tension internally yourself. And if you were just standing there and I was like, engage your core muscles, which by the way, is not really a cue that I use with people precisely because it's super vague. But if I tell you that and you're like, I don't know how the fuck to do this, like, I don't know what that means. You probably need some extra context, extra context clues and assistance to get you to that point. And the easiest way to get your core muscles to turn on is just to hold on to some weight. This is called reflexive core strength. So you can think of it like a reflex. If someone comes and takes a swing at your head, your reflex is probably going to be to rapidly pull your head away and move away from the incoming punch. 
it's the same thing with core strength. When your body senses an external load, to a certain extent, it's going to automatically turn on those core muscles. So I used to use a lot of bodyweight squats with people, but a lot of times people would feel really awkward and I had a really hard time getting them to do the things I wanted them to do or to understand the cues I was giving. And then other coaches that have been an influence on me were saying like, use weighted squats, bodyweight squats are more challenging. I decided to give it a shot and it worked really well. So what I would suggest that you do is actually to begin with something called a press out squat. So if you are training at a full gym, the best way to do this would be to grab a small bumper plate. So a bumper plate is like a plastic or rubber weight plate that's really large. So if you think about the plates people use when they're deadlifting or doing Olympic lifting exercises, they're not small. They're I don't I wish I knew the exact diameter. I should have looked it up before the episode, but they're large plates even if they're small like 5 or 10 pounds. What you would want to do is to hold on to the edges of one of those plates. Another really great option Actually, a better option if you have access to it is to use a lightweight ultimate sandbag. So I'm talking about a core bag, which is the green bag, and preferably one that's not loaded heavily. So I'm not talking about like 20 pounds. I'm talking about like 7 to maybe 12 pounds, but, you know, 7 to 10 would be ideal. So if you don't have access to any of these things, you can also use a small dumbbell held sideways. So you're holding one end of the dumbbell in each hand. You could also use a medicine ball potentially. The way that this is going to affect your body will differ slightly, but ultimately you're still going to have a better experience, I think, than doing bodyweight squats. So the way the press out squat works is you're going to start in your standing position. So your feet are going to be a little bit wider than hip width. You are going to be holding that weight plate or sandbag or whatever you're using in front of your chest. Now you're going to initiate your squat by sitting back and down which I'm also going to talk more about in a second. And as you do that, you're going to press the weight out in front of your stomach. What this does, first of all, is it turns on your core muscles. Depending on the type of weight you're using, it can also turn on your upper back muscles, which are an extension of your core. And it's also helpful to teach you how to reach your hips back without losing your balance. Because when the weight goes out in front of your body, it provides a counterbalance. So you're going to squat down, you're going to push the weight out in front of you, and then as you stand up out of the squat, you're going to bring it back to your chest. I found that press-out squats are one of, if not the most effective teaching tool for people who are learning how to squat, or maybe people who are trying to rebuild their squat pattern after an injury. Even if you're a strong trainee, these can be a great warm-up drill to include just to groove your squat pattern a little bit and to get a little bit of core engagement before you move on to heavier loads. Another option would be to just do lightweight goblet squats where you're holding a weight, probably a kettlebell or a dumbbell in front of your chest. But I think that adding a little bit of weight counterintuitively makes it easier to learn squats versus only doing bodyweight squats. So keep that in mind if you are at the beginning of your squatting journey and maybe you're feeling frustrated that you can't quite figure out how to squat in a way that feels good. So the second tip that I want you to keep in mind is that when we squat... We don't just sit our hips back and we don't just shoot our knees forward. We want to sit back and down. Now, depending on your body type, so for example, if you have longer versus shorter legs or a longer versus a shorter torso, also depending on your mobility, which I'll talk more about later, and also depending on the type of squat that you use. So for example, uh, with a barbell back squat, you're likely going to have more backwards hip reach than a barbell front squat, but all these things will affect you know, the position of your squat. But nevertheless, generally speaking, we want to find a balance between reaching our hips back and letting our knees move forward in a squat. 
In the current craze all about glute training and also a lot of the messaging that is given to people who are dealing with knee pain, a lot of people are trying to make their squats too backward reaching. So you don't necessarily want to reach your hips all the way back and not have any forward knee movement. And you don't necessarily want to use the widest possible squat stance. You might feel these more in your glutes, but ultimately it's not an ideal squat pattern. An ideal squat pattern is going to be as vertical as you can while still getting some backward hip reach. Now, again, this is impacted by a lot of different factors, but if I was looking at you from the side or you're videotaping your squat, you do want to see your knees move forward somewhat over your toes, and you do want to see your torso stay more vertical. You don't want to turn your squat into a hip hinge or a deadlift where you're reaching your hips back as far as possible, you're barely bending your knees, and there's a lot of torso lean. At that point, again, you're barely doing a squat, it's becoming more of a deadlift, it's becoming more of a hip hinge or a good morning. So when you are thinking about initiating your squat, I like to think sit back and sit down. Yes, we want some backward hip reach, but we also don't want to overdo it. We do want to sit down and we do want to stay more vertical. I think that it's important in training if you're able to make your squat pattern as distinct from your hip hinge pattern as you can. So we don't really want our squats and our hip hinges to look super similar I mean, there are some exercises where there's more overlap. So for example, if we're talking about a hip hinge and we're talking about a deadlift, a trap bar deadlift has some elements of a squat because you're you're pushing from your quads. You are not necessarily reaching your hips back as far as possible because of the position of the bar. Uh, again, if you're doing a barbell back squat, a lot of times it is going to look a little bit hingier, especially if you're doing a low bar back squat. But if you're doing a goblet squat or you're doing some type of a front loaded squat, say with a sandbag or even with a barbell, ideally we want that pattern to look a little bit more vertical, a little bit more like you're getting up and down from a chair and less like you're picking something up from the floor. So sit back, but also sit down. Don't over exaggerate that backward hip reach of your squat. The third tip which is super, super important, is to focus on your feet. Now, a lot of people focus a lot on their knees and on their glutes when they squat. And this makes sense because if you're concerned about knee pain or you notice that your knees are caving in during your squat, or again, if you're really interested in glute training, which I know is really popular right now, it's easy to focus on these. They're like more glamorous, more sexy, whatever. But your feet provide the base of support for your squat. And a lot of squat technique issues can be cleaned up if you just use more active and more engaged feet. So the cue that I like the best is to think about spreading the floor with your feet. So what I'll say to people is to imagine that there was an earthquake and there are a bunch of giant cracks in the ground and you are straddling one of those cracks. So you have one foot on one side and one foot on the other. Throughout your entire squat, on the way down and on the way up, you want to try to pull that crack apart with your feet sideways so that you widen the crack. That is the kind of active foot engagement that we're talking about. And I have found over and over again, both with myself and with clients, that when you think about spreading the floor with your feet, your knees go in the right place. So if you're someone whose knees tend to valgus, which means they like collapse in during your squat, if you focus on your feet, your knees tend to go in the right place. One of the reasons why is that this type of foot engagement is going to engage some of the glute and hip muscles on the side of your hips, and those muscles control the position of your knee, or they help to control the position of your knee. 
And it's hard to just like activate those. And also that's not really the way our body works. Our body works as a unit. So if you think about your feet, everything um, up the chain, so up through your knees, up through your hips, even up through your back and shoulders is also going to activate in the way that we want. So focusing on spreading the floor with your feet is very helpful to not only control your knee position, but also to get more involvement from the glutes. So you don't even have to think about your knees or think about your glutes in order to get them activated. It's much more helpful and productive to think about your feet. A lot of other squat issues originate from the feet as well. So Ankle mobility is a huge limiting factor in squat. So the ankle mobility that I'm talking about is the ability to decrease the angle between your shin, so the front of your lower leg, and the top of your foot. Now, this is something that's super overlooked, and a lot of creatives especially, you're either like standing all day or you're sitting all day, and you have very few opportunities to really flex your ankles, to really get your knees over your toes. And this will limit your ability to squat deep. So if you're someone when you're squatting, first of all, you have a really hard time getting very deep or you notice that your heels are always coming off the ground. This is a sign of limited ankle mobility. And sometimes just paying attention to the feet will clean this up. Now, I'm, again, I keep saying this, but I'm going to talk more about mobility in a later point. There are other things you can do to improve your ankle mobility. But when you're setting up and you're thinking about your feet, in addition to spreading the floor sideways, I like to cue people to think of maintaining a tripod contact with their feet. So that means that your heel should always be on the ground, always. Also, your big toe and your little toe. So you, you think of like a tripod, a triangle shape on the bottom of your foot. We want to maintain contact with all three of these points and keep our weight right in the middle of our foot for an optimal squat. So if you can keep those handful of foot cues in mind, you don't necessarily have to focus on them all at the same time, but at different points in your workout or in your training phase, I just find that that honestly cleans up so many squat form issues. Your feet are so, so important in the squat. They're the thing that connects you to the ground. They're the thing that lets you derive force from the ground, which will help you move up into the weight and complete the rep. So don't neglect your feet. And if you're having technique issues, honestly, the very first place that I would look is your feet. Are they active? Are they engaged fully? Are they where they need to be? So the fourth tip for squats is to create more upper body tension. This is something that you can practice when you're doing simple squat variations like goblet squats or ultimate sandbag bear hug squats in order to then have that tension in place when you go to more advanced squat variations if you're if you are going in that direction such as barbell front squats or barbell back squats because with those variations the upper back tension becomes even more important. What I'm talking about here is we want to have engagement not just in our core muscles, but also in our lats. So your lats are the biggest muscle in your upper body. If you imagine that you had wings, like kind of running from the, the bottom of your ribs up to the back of part of your shoulders, that's essentially where your lats are. You can feel them if you take your hand and you kind of poke behind your armpit on your back. Like that's a part of your lat. So when those muscles are more engaged, it means less like extraneous movement in the upper body which becomes more and more important when you're using heavier loads and when you're holding bars there. But it also just ensures that your core position, that your spine is more stable. There will be some movement, but you know, a more stable position is going to unlock better mobility and you're just going to feel stronger and more confident in your squat. So 
we already talked about press out squats with certain implements, especially like with an ultimate sandbag, you can pull the bag apart actively, like you're trying to tear it in half with your hands, and that will help turn on your lats. With a kettlebell goblet squat, you can try to break the handle of the kettlebell in half. Um, with a dumbbell, it's a little bit harder, but you can still think about like smashing an orange in your armpits. That's one of my favorite cues. So instead of having your arms out away from your side and having a gap between your elbow and your side, you're going to drive your elbows into your sides and pull your shoulders down. Now, with barbells, you can start to generate more torque. So this is one reason why if you have the wrist mobility, it's ideal to use a clean grip on a front squat because you can really drive those elbows forward and under the bar and that torque is going to activate those muscles and create more stability. Um, if you are doing a back squat, you know, it's really important to pull the bar down into your body and to create that muscular shelf that is stable so the bar doesn't roll around. There are a lot of different cues as you can tell depending on the implement that you're using, but pretty much across the board, I encourage you no matter what type of squat you're doing, no matter what weight you're using, look for ways to increase upper body engagement, especially in your lats, especially pulling your shoulders down. That stability is going to help you feel stronger and it's going to help you move heavier weights. My next tip, which I think is number five, is to perfect your setup. Again, this is something that you can practice with lighter implements, with simpler squat variations, and it becomes more and more important the more technical you get. So I will not tell you that a barbell squat with no weight on the bar is going to look the same as like a 225 pound squat. Because like we talked about in the first tip, when you add load, it changes the the way that your body responds, it can change the way you move. So you don't need to like kill yourself to make your warmups look exactly the same as your heaviest weights. However, we do want to try to practice setting up for our squat in the same way every time. And there are a few reasons for this. With a barbell squat, for example, like if your setup is sloppy and you're taking, as I've sometimes seen people do like four, five, six steps out of the rack, think about how much energy is wasted there. And the heavier you go, the more risky that is, especially if you've got a really heavy bar on your back and you're, you're walking backwards one foot at a time. We want to conserve energy for the actual set of squats itself. So it just makes sense to create a setup where you're taking maybe two, maybe three steps to get into position. If you're taking any more than that, you need to tweak your setup to save energy. The other reason is that we just want to practice making things as simple as possible. So when we're talking about the pursuit of getting really strong, a lot of this is like a nervous system game. So we need to become as efficient as possible. And some of that is just like a lot of repetition and a lot of practice. So we don't want to have a setup where every set or every workout, we're doing something a little bit different. It's just more stuff, more pieces for our brain to have to put together. If we can create a setup that is consistent, that conserves energy, and that puts us in a good position to begin the set, we have more resources and we can become more efficient with the actual squatting, which is the objective, right? The objective isn't like, how heavy a bar can I take out of a rack? Although I know sometimes people do do that as part of training. The objective is to build a stronger squat. So practicing and making these things more automatic is going to help you with the actual set. Now, again, you can even practice this with lighter setups and simpler squats. So I said light up and I has lighter and I hesitated, excuse me, because I actually do think that for a lot of people doing like really heavy goblet squats might be the best option for them. And as you progress to a heavier dumbbell, 
the way that you set up has to change. So you're not necessarily going to be picking the weight up from the ground. I typically suggest people use a bench where they will put the weight on the bench vertically and then they'll put one foot on the bench. They'll transfer the weight to their knee and then they can get it to their chest. So that way it's just a little bit less risky than having to clean like a hundred pound dumbbell from the floor. So there are other ways to practice your setup, but basically the idea is to, like I said, conserve energy, to practice, you know, and get, build good habits. And then also to put yourself in a good position to start your set. Because if you set up and like everything is off, like your body position's off, the weight feels off, like you're not going to have a strong set. So these are things to consider, especially as you're getting into more technical squats and heavier weights. So my sixth tip, which I've hinted at like a dozen times already, is to work on your mobility. Now, I want to talk about a few joints in particular that are especially relevant to the squat. That Your ankles are the first one, like I mentioned. I would say that of all of the mobility limiting factors, with the exception of like upper back and shoulders for barbell back squats specifically, ankle mobility limitations are the most common culprit for like trouble squatting. So one way... An easy way to assess your ankle mobility is to get into half kneeling on the floor in front of a wall. So that means that your back knee is going to be on the floor and your front foot is going to be on the floor in front of you. So your knee is out in front of you. Now you want to measure a distance between the tip of your toes and the wall. That's like basically the length of your hand. Okay. Or maybe the length of your palm if you have like a really large hand. And what you want to do is to keep your front heel glued to the ground. So as soon as that front heel pops off the ground, then you have bypass your ankle mobility. So we don't want that, but you want to keep that heel down and you want to see if you can drive your knee forward over your toe to touch the wall. Okay. Now, if you've never done this before and you've never worked on your ankle mobility, this might be really humbling. You might only be able to get an inch or two or even less in front of your toe. Don't be frustrated by this. It's totally fine. Know that you can improve your ankle mobility, but this is something that you should probably include in your warmups. It's something that you can, um, program in between sets of squats. This is something I've often done with clients who have ankle mobility issues. We're squatting, like their heels are coming up, whatever. Um, I might make other changes in the workout, but I'm going to have them do a set of like ankle mobility stretching in between sets. And a lot of times that is a good cue for them and it helps them for their sets of squats. So that's the first place that I would look. The next place that I would look is hip mobility. So uh, your hip is the most mobile joint in your body or one of the most mobile joints in your body. It can move in a lot of different directions. For squatting, there's some degree of rotation that's happening. There's a lot of extension and flexion, which basically means like bending your hips back and then standing up into a, a tall position. So if your hip mobility is limited, first of all, you might experience knee pain. Um, often you'll experience low back pain when squatting because your hips aren't able to move in the way that you need. And so your low back takes up the slack, especially if you're doing barbell back squats um, with a bar right on top of your spine. That's a recipe for you know, making your low back not feel so good. So we definitely want to make sure that our hips are mobile and moving well, especially before we're going to do barbell back squats. So I would always include hip mobility drills in the warm up of every single client of mine. But if your squats are limited, you know, I would pay special attention to different hip drills. So the next place to look is actually going to be your upper back. So that's your thoracic spine, which is the part of your spine that's like from your ribs up to your the bottom of your neck. Now, this is a part of your spine, unlike your low back, that has a ton of mobility potential. And this is especially relevant if you're trying to do barbell back squats or barbell front squats, because in order to support the bar on your back or on your shoulders in a proper position, you need a lot of 
extension ability through your upper back, which basically means you can arch that part of your back without compromising your shoulder position or compromising your low back position too much. So a big reason why barbell back squatting doesn't work for a lot of people is not because they lack lower body mobility, but because they lack upper body mobility. And sometimes they lack all of the above, but if you can't get into a good position with your upper back, you're going to have a really hard time supporting load and moving well no matter how good your ankle or hip mobility is. And that's one reason why I don't often do heavy barbell back squats with a lot of my creative clients because upper back mobility limitations are really common, especially in people who play instruments that they hold in front of their body. This is a region that tends to be really tight and restricted. Now you can improve that, absolutely. You can improve it quite a lot, but until you're at a point where you have pretty decent upper back mobility, I don't know that doing heavy barbell back squats or even heavy barbell front squats, which also require a ton of upper back mobility, is going to be the best bet for you. You will probably have better squatting success with a squat variation that requires less upper body mobility. So, for example, heavy goblet squats or double kettlebell front squats where you're holding a kettlebell in each arm on the outside of your forearm. Uh, or ultimate sandbag squats, you know, that's going to be a little bit, bit better. But in the meantime, definitely doing upper back extension drills and rotation drills is going to help you a lot. The final thing I'll mention is that if you want to do front squats with a clean grip, which is where you're holding the bar in your fingers and your elbows are pointed out in front of you parallel to each other, you need a decent amount of wrist mobility. So if you start doing this and your wrists are killing you, your hands are killing you, It's probably not a great option for you right now. You're probably better off doing a different squat variation or doing a front squat with like what's called a crossed arm bodybuilding style grip where you have your elbows out in front of you and your hands crossed on top of the bar. But if you want to do those clean grips, you definitely need to work on your wrist mobility as well. Two more tips here, which are more about programming. So the seventh tip for a better, stronger squat is to use more front loaded squats. This is something that I've been hinting at, especially in the last point, but I think far too many people think that the ultimate goal of squatting is to have a big barbell back squat. And in reality, the only people who need to do barbell back squats are A, competitive powerlifters who have to do it as part of their meet, and B, anyone who does like a CrossFit or strongman type competition that might also use a barbell back squat. Like in the real world, it's pretty unusual that you would do a movement like this. It's actually much more common and dare I say functional, even though I kind of hate that word, to do front-loaded squats. Most of the time we're holding weight in front of our body. Most of the time we are not holding a heavy load on our back. And as I already mentioned, the mobility demands of back squats are really high. And if you are not super mobile right now, you're not moving very well, it's a lot easier to use good form and to get stronger and squat deeper with front-loaded squats, which is any type of squat where you're holding the bar in front of your body. Now, these definitely range in technical complexity. So the press-out squats that I mentioned way back in step number one, those would probably be the easiest, followed by goblet squats. A lot of ultimate sandbag squats are really easy to perform well with good form. That's one reason why I like them so much. Um, On the top end of the spectrum, doing a barbell front squat with a clean grip is actually pretty technically complex. Nevertheless, it's probably a better fit for more people than a barbell back squat. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't back squat, especially if you like it, you don't have any issues with it, then go right ahead. But if you're struggling, you're feeling beat up, you're not squatting very deep, like you don't really know if you're doing it right with back squats, I suggest taking a step back and focusing more on one or two different front-loaded variations Like I said, I think you will be able to squat deeper 
I think you will your joints will feel better because you won't be able to load up more weight than you can handle, at least not most of the time. And it might just be a better fit for your body. So it's certainly something to explore if you're struggling with back squats. And then the final tip for a better, stronger squat is to stop testing your maxes all the time. So this is a lesson that I learned the hard way. As I've told before on this podcast, when I first got into lifting, I did a lot of powerlifting, which was super fun. And I experienced that glorious phase of beginner gains, which is where you can just set PRs every week. You know, I'd come in, I'd squat one weight, and then the next week I'd squat five more pounds, and then I'd squat t- 10 more pounds. And I was like, this is fucking awesome, which it is. But unfortunately, that period ends for everybody because your body just starts to adapt. It becomes harder to see those gains, especially in strength, and you have to become significantly more intelligent with your training. For me, it took me a while to figure that out. I kept beating my head against the wall, trying to squat more, trying to set PRs and failing, which would basically mean I'd do a squat and I wouldn't be able to stand up again. So I'd have to dump the bar and crawl out of the rack and hope that nobody was looking at me. Uh, Eventually, this started to lead to a lot of knee pain. I also would notice that my knees were caving in a lot during my squats. And At a certain point, I I had to accept that what I was doing wasn't working. And what I did instead was, first of all, I I checked my ego and I lowered the weight so that I could work on better form and making sure I was hitting the right depth. And I also recognized that there were weak spots that were preventing me from squatting more. So my core wasn't that strong. My hips absolutely were not strong. And that was why my knees were caving in. I didn't know how to use my feet. Basically, I needed to get stronger all over. And so I started including a lot more assistance and accessory exercises to strengthen my hips and glutes, to strengthen my hamstrings, to strengthen my core. And then eventually those things did lead to a stronger squat. So it was only when I stopped trying to set weekly PRs, ironically, that my squat got better. So if you're brand new to lifting, you can probably set PRs for a significant amount of time. If you've been consistent, if you've been training for a while and you haven't been able to do that, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. Congratulations, you're now an intermediate lifter. (laughs) You have graduated to the point where you have to be a little bit more intelligent about your training. So in terms of trying to increase your actual squat numbers, a lot of times that means following a more periodized program where you're program specific percentages or numbers or reps, and you're really only trying to add maybe five or 10 pounds over the course of a month or two or three months. That's the rate at which progress slows down. It certainly means getting more intelligent with building overall strength and mobility and improving the way that you move away from your squat or using simpler variations like goblet squats or kettlebell squats. And, you know, it might mean that you need to uh, not do barbell back squats or front squats or whatever for a while, put them away and focus on another squat variation. That's another strategy as well. But just continuing to try to set a new PR or do more reps at your heaviest weight every single week is a recipe for running yourself into the ground and it will not actually make you stronger once you've achieved a certain level of fitness and strength. So just to summarize eight tips for a better, stronger squat. If you are learning to squat or relearning to squat, don't use body weight squats. Use some type of light weighted squat like a press out squat or a light goblet squat. When you're squatting, Don't just sit back. You need to sit back and down. Yes, we want backwards hip motion, but we also want our squat to look more vertical. It's super important to focus on your feet. This is tip number three. A lot of squatting form issues can be corrected if you think tripod foot contact, weight in the middle of your foot, and spread the floor sideways with your feet. 
Tip number four is to create upper body tension. You want to pull the weight into you. You want to try to break it in half. You want to get those lats and upper back muscles involved. A more stable upper body is going to allow you to drive more force into the weight and have a bigger squat. Tip number five is to practice perfecting your setup especially if you're doing barbell squats. Take the bar out of the rack the same way every time. Try to take as few steps away from the rack as possible and build good habits. Even if you're not barbell squatting, try to practice making your setup as similar as possible. Tip number six is to work on your mobility. The number one mobility issue for squatting issues is ankle mobility. So we definitely wanna work on that. Hip mobility can also play a big role as can upper body mobility, like your upper back, T-spine, your wrists, especially if you're doing barbell squatting. Tip number seven is that not everybody needs to do barbell back squats or should do barbell back squats. If you like them, that's great. If you need to do them for your sport, of course you have to practice them, but In my experience, most people feel best doing a lot more front-loaded squat variations. And then the final tip is to stop testing your maxes all the time. I know this is fun. I know you want to maybe show off. I know you want to prove to yourself how tough and strong you are. But at a certain point in your training career, this approach will not work. It could potentially lead you to get hurt or even frustrated and give up on lifting. You need to get more intelligent with how much weight you're lifting, how you're programming your workouts, and you certainly need to include other exercises to bring up weak points that are relevant to your squat. So I hope this was helpful. Like I said, I'm planning to do a series of these over a period of time where I talk about different exercises. If you have a request, like one you want me to do first, or if you have a request for any podcast topic ever, I always love to hear from you and you can hit me up in my Instagram DMs. My handle is just my name, at Caroline Juster. I respond to every DM. I always love to talk with people and I am, of course, always looking for podcast inspiration, episode ideas, whatever will make this most interesting, fun, and helpful for you. Uh, Other than that, I look forward to seeing you on the next episode, which, like I said, will be a return to guest interviews. Uh, Thank you and hope you have a good rest of your week. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information. See you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong.